0: what's up world you are now listening to the power post game report where we talk all things power we are currently covering season two episode eight of book two <laughs> book two ghosts that was a that was a mouthful i of course i'm always one half year host triple d and with me as always is carlos d what's going on sir can't complain, man. Another roller coaster ride of an episode, so I'm just excited to be back and talking power again, man. They 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 bringing it strong the second half of the season. Indeed. And before we get down to business, we got to take care of some previous business. First of all, I would like to apologize on two accounts. One, this episode being a day behind. Uh, that's due to me being out of town over the weekend and uh, not getting a chance to really watch and take in the episode to give you what you came here for. And two, uh, on the technical difficulties of the last episode, I have no idea why my sound just dropped off the face of the earth and dropped down to a whisper like that. I was trying a new interface. Um, It seemed okay on my personal podcast, but I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was maybe um, lost in translation through the way that we record each other or what. But um, apologies to that. Hopefully this isn't the same uh, issue with this episode. But thank you guys for sticking with us. Um, Mr. Carlos, you are absolutely right. This episode was season finale caliber. I mean, it might be one of the best episodes in all of book two for sure. And if not the whole series, to be honest with you. I hear that. I hear that. You ready to dive into this? Because we got a lot to unpack here. Yeah, man. Let's get it. All right. So this episode starts off with the trial. Not wasting any time. Tariq is on trial for two counts of murder. And um, initially, things are not going well. Uh, It is revealed that there is a tape. And initially, I was like, what tape? But they're talking about the recording from Lauren's wire that she's been wearing. Mm -hmm. And... This is kind of, you know, they're blindsided. The janky lawyers have been blindsided with this info. Uh, and rightfully, they're told, you know, look, we, we need time to go over this. Uh, and we find out that, well, we might as well <laughs> jump slightly ahead. Uh, we, we find out that, yes, it is in fact, the tape of Lauren getting Tariq to kind of, not necessarily confess, but help them give motive to uh professor reynolds murder um any thoughts on that opening trial scene yeah no i was just a little bit confused about what tape they were talking about at first i thought they were talking about the tape of him confessing at the graveyard right Um, i thought that too yes i was a little confused but when they got into it and explained that it was the lauren tape even though once they kind of showed, i guess i think at some point they kind of replayed the scene when he said it uh all he said was i know the book wasn't about a white boy like, and it was definitely about, a, I think you said a, uh, all he wrote about is niggas or something like that. So uh, I still feel like there's some weak evidence to tie it back to him, uh, but I guess it's a nothing, though, at least he knows what the book is about and that the book could possibly about, be about him, which Carrie claims it is um, through her investigation or her help with the police. So I guess it's enough. I'm not a legal expert. Right. Uh, so from there, while this is going on, um, we get the re-up going south. Um I I didn't get a chance to really look into it, but was that the white boy they got kicked off the of campus in the first season, and kind of moved in on his on his territory? No, I feel like it was a different tall, lanky white boy. I don't think it was him, but I have to go back okay. and research. But I, I think it was a different white boy. Um okay. But I do remember when they were taking over. What was it? What's it called? Stansfield Campus. They did get yeah. a guy evicted from the campus for for doing drugs or moved them off the turf. Uh, but I think this was a different white boy that he just happened to know. Okay. Well. Uh, Effie, luckily, the experience of the team was there to kind of you know make sure this didn't this wasn't a waste of time, and it was a good thing that she did because Braden, eager to please mm-hmm. and a- eager to be involved, and very naive, um, it showed his night. Na- right his, uh, when it comes to being involved in a drug game because he's just willing to take anything just so they can say they had product. And like I said, Effie, the more seasoned veteran, uh, who is technically if, if this is a, a drug, uh, and I guess it is a drug. Enterprise Tariq is the boss She is like the second in command And then Braden's just like their little lackey he, Yep unfortunately it is That is the case for him um, So we get a quick little Meeting outside of the lawyers Well not the lawyers Excuse me outside of the trial Where And I forget his actual lawyer's name Well the guy that's kind of Over their estate I call him Elvin from the Cosby show Elroy from the Cosby Show kind of delivers off some news that hadn't quite sunk in with Tariq that like, yes, you did initially get custody of Yaz, but unfortunately due to this, yeah, she's back in the system and she's going to be adopted. Well, she's already been selected by a family to be adopted. Um, And we also find out that and I don't know if this is this is a reach or if this is just the writers doing everything to remind you that um we don't like Ghost. the writers on this show nor the previous show like the main character not that he's supposed to be a likable character but we want you to hate him even with with you know even when it's a bit much he apparently planned which i, I felt like this was a bit of a reach he planned in advance not only that note that he gave um Tariq while in jail, but that if anything shady were to happen, that Yaz would go into foster care and the records be sealed so that no one could find him. Mm -hmm. Um, unfortunately, uh, some people on the internet who have a little bit too much time to kill and overactive imaginations have taken this to their theory that ghost is still alive. And he's the one that adopted her, which I ain't buying that, but I still feel like, wow. Um, When Ghost was at the point of coming up with this will and these instructions, man, the dude is a master tactician Mm -hmm. because I I don't think he necessarily did it to spite Tariq, although Tariq, you know, he takes everything personal. I don't think he did it to spite Tariq. I do genuinely feel like he kind of did it to, you know, with his past and his enemies, that was probably like the ultimate fail-safe to keep Yaz, at least Yaz safe. Mm -hmm. How did you feel about that? Uh, so, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm going to talk about it from a writer's point of view and then also from, like, the, the character point of view. From the writer's point of view, I think they just find – they're just trying to find a way to get Yaz off the show. Like, she doesn't really mm-hmm. play a part. There's no real part for her long term as the child of an 18-year-old college student who's also involved deeply in the drug game. So I think this is a way to kind of write her out um, and just eliminate her because I, I don't know what they're going to do with her long term. Um, from, you know, the character standpoint – it makes sense that, that uh, Ghost would do something like this. He knew Tasha wasn't shit. Uh, you know, excuse my language. He knew Tariq was destined or, or hell-bent on not being nothing. Um, so he had to do something to protect his baby girl. Yaz was always the most innocent one of the fans. Well, her and um, Raina was always very innocent. They weren't involved in this mess. You know, Yaz being way too young to be involved in it. So I can see why he would do it. Um, I don't understand the legality of it all. Um, because I-, I still don't understand why Yaz is not with her mother. I I don't know any place that would put a parent in witness protection and leave a minor child just to fend for herself. When the you know if if the mom is in danger, why isn't her daughter in danger? Why isn't the grandma in danger? I can understand Torrico; he a grown man, let him take care of himself. But at least the daughter—why isn't she with the mom? Um, and I also don't understand why the grandmother would be eliminated. Okay, she was doing bad right now. She may have lost temporary custody. But what, what what stops her from going back, you know, finishing rehab, getting her life together, and then reclaiming her granddaughter? So I don't understand the full, how it makes sense to kind of just put her out there. But I understand Ghost is trying to take care of the one innocent person in his life, or who was left in his life at the point that he was getting close to dying. So Okay. I have been giving that some thought, the point of um, why I wasn't Yaz with Tasha and I had to think back to it and I remember that in the last episode of the first season the plan was once she got out they were going to they were going to be given like a certain amount of hours and then they'd all go into witness protection um but you remember that Tariq calls in uh like an anonymous tip on Tasha's life which is true cuz Tommy was coming for her and at that point you got to remember that Tasha had come to see Tariq um, had come to see Tariq. So I don't, I don't think the original plan. Well, the original plan was to get them all together, but because Tariq did what he did while Tasha was apart from, um, from Yasmin or Yasmin, if you remember, they're like, we just got an anonymous tip. That's why they rush her. And then they just go. I think that's how they got separated. Mm. Um, Mm. And that's me doing a bit of the work for them. But I do rem- I do believe that's what happened in the last episode, that they were already separated. You know, they're like, okay, well, you're already like a high value target, so we're just gonna move you now, and Yaz and Grandma got left behind because, to a degree, like no one really cared, legally. But the- it was part the original deal was for all of them to leave, but Tariq kind of he kind of you know monkey wrenched that when he he tipped off when he tipped them off to tommy uh coming for her life um so we get a quick scene out after that that revelation that uh she's back in foster care for good now, and I agree that I think this is the best way to get her off the show. um we get Davis reminding you of who he is, Mr. Fuck, you pay me, mm-hmm. he wants his money, or you gonna get some comic <laughs> cartoony public defender that's going to get you put in jail for the next 25 years of your life. Um, So from there, we get a little quick scene back at the Tejada house where uh, Diana's putting pieces together about um, who D is and uh, gets out here snooping. While this is happening, well, before this happens, we get a little quick scene between um, Monet and, and Dante who is sprung 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 even all this after all this nonsense he got a ring and everything ready what did you think about that i mean like i said I, this guy really is turned out by her uh and, you know maybe i just never had love like that in my life um but for somebody that you dated 23 years ago that you still had these intense passionate feelings for and you wouldn't accept them no matter what it is crazy to me um but he definitely whatever name they had He likes and he wants more of, so I'm not gonna fault the brother for, you know, shooting a shadow, trying to claim what's what he claims is his. It could have been one of those the one that got away scenarios, Mm -hmm. because remember, he said that um, he was arrested and you know he she felt like he disappeared on him, excuse me, he disappeared on her, and I'm pretty sure from his standpoint, he low key feels like she might have kind of not necessarily abandoned him, but disappeared a bit on him. Um, And I think that military connection is what ties up his, these ridiculously expertly trained uh, goons of his, Mm -hmm. because we were talking about that when they, they came in with the call of duty guns. It's like, this seems a bit much for an import, a quote unquote, import export drug dealer. Yeah. He got Um, a, a legit army.
1: Right, and it's like not street
0: goons shooting wildly and spraying up blocks with foolishness. Like these people use high grade weapons and they shoot with precision. So yeah, so it was like these are probably some cats he met during his military time Mm -hmm. and helped them build his empire. Um, We get a little quick scene between poor Lauren and her uh, her Jenny, the the, the, what the prosecutor, Um, and her parents. And her parents are her mom is hilarious. The whole I'm actually still I, lusting after the dead, the dead professor, which is funny because Braden's mom did the exact same thing. But I like the fact that uh, <laughs> the look on the dad's face—he was like, oh, "Wait, wait a minute now, calm, calm down. I'm standing right here." But they, mm-hmm. they funny. Um, any, any thoughts on that? Nah, I mean it just shows the bouginess of them and, and how ill equipped they are to deal with. Uh, crime related things and how they are just are unaware of it. The, the fact that they're just so willing to force their daughter into something that they honestly with their influence and money they probably if they had a good lawyer they could have got her off and got her a, 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 removed from it but I think they're being naive to how the system works is just kind of pushing their daughter deeper into it. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, speaking of things you know getting, getting deeper into things. We got Diana who <laughs> thinks she's Nancy Drew out over here. <laughs> Uh, putting pieces to the puzzle, looking for Carmen San Diego, And it was just like, I, I kind of got it. You know, the whole, you're trying to figure out why you, what your mom's lying about and what she's up to. But she was, she was bold. She was going through everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I even, my parents could be in another state and I don't think I'd be that bold to <laughs> to go through this stuff like that. What did you think about that scene and, uh, the you know, her starting to slowly put things together? I mean, yeah, I think she was just playing a little detective role at, um, I think her father coming home has just emboldened her more. She was already fed up with Monet's crap, and you saw it kept building throughout the first season, even the first part of this season. And now that her daddy is home, and she's daddy's little girl, I think she just got an extra charge because um, I think she can feels her father will protect her more than Monet can possibly hurt her. And I think that's all it is. She finally got her heart. we're going to see how far that takes her especially mm-hmm. with the way this episode ends. Uh from there, we get a meeting of uh the team as far as um and Tariq actually taking the 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 bust of the 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 reup pretty well. And um <laughs> it's time to to bury the hatchet, uh put on a leather jacket like I'm George Clooney and go ahead and set up this scheme like it's Ocean's 11. <laughs> Uh, what did you feel about this this meeting? And let's get into the idea well, the general idea of what they're gonna do and that's to rob the connect and in the process set up Lil' Guap and GTG. What did you feel about that? Yeah, yeah. So you're definitely right. He definitely was on his boss boss mastermind thing. This was a prime ghost a ghost move. Yeah. This is something you would have seen in the first series, the ghost would have pulled when they basketball against the wall. So, you know. Oh, yeah. He definitely is father's son. Uh, as far as the scheme some parts I guess we can talk about it now or we can talk about it later. Some parts of the scheme made good sense. Some made no sense at all. Um but it, you know, ultimately it all played out the way they wanted it to. Um you know, I think they had no other choices. They for people who are involved in a drug game, they they seem to have very little options when they come to trying to find product. Um I understand why Tariq doesn't, he he's not connected, but for the Tahadas to have no other connections, or maybe they just burned all their bridges is kinda mind blowing to me. Given how long they've been in the game, uh, so that that's always kind of weird to me. But I also I get why they don't want to do it out in the open because they don't want their dad to know all about it. So that's why it's a secret, you know, s- secret spy mission. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was a cool plan. I, I, it was a very fun episode, the caper part of it. Um, so it, it made for a real fun episode. What you think of it? Uh, I thought it was manipulation levels were on high in this one. Um but yeah the whole laying out of the plan was the the stuff that they they kind of show but don't show in Ocean's 11 the movies where it's just like i got a plan and it's going to require this this and this but we need this and this guy can't find out but we do but we do need this person and it's just it was just interesting to see all these pieces kind of fall into place um like <laughs> it was funny it was but it's also kind of messed up was, you know they had to, they had to really talk Drew into it. They had to sell it. It was like, well, you got to get Diana out of the way completely. Um, Use Tariq. Re- uh, and again, it's like the, I, this, I, this part of the game where they're literally talking about their own family members like pawns um, because they know just how to, how to, you know, get through to people and, you know, get them to do what they want. I thought was, was kind of wild and especially how on point everything was. Um, and we'll get to the, the execution a little later. Uh, but yeah, it, the setup and I was just, you know, I'm the same thing. I was like, okay, let's see how this plays out because this could either go perfectly or this could crash and burn. Um, so speaking of crashing and burning, the next episode is Tariq finally getting to hear the wire. Um. And I like how Davis, you know, he he really and this is this is also a credit to Method Man, the actor, really selling the tension of this. Because like for a minute there, I didn't think he was going to let him uh, listen to it. But like just the way he he played this scene. Great job for him. Um, great job on his part of just being like, look, I can't play you this because if I play you this, it's a rap for me. I can't play it i'm gonna be right back mm-hmm. but i also like the the kind of not necessarily childish but like slightly impatient nature or immature slightly immature impatient nature of tariq to a, like immediately go can't you do that later before you know it kind of clicking for him to, oh. mm-hmm. what did you feel about that scene oh uh, yeah so you know this is something that i've seen in other tv shows where it's like i can't do something for you but i'm gonna leave it available to you i'm gonna Show, it's something that I've seen in different different shows. I think they did execute it well, And I think Method Man is a like really good actor. Um, I think he plays this character and also other characters I've seen him in very well. Uh, so he's really really stepped into this acting role. Um, and then Tariq, uh, as much as you see him as smart he is, as he is, I like how they gave that little thing where it took him a second for it to click to show that he's not always on top of everything. Right. He still is a kid who is still learning the world and everything associated with it. Um, but then, yeah, but then we, we sort of find the outcome of it all. He learns that uh, not only the evidence they had, but that Lauren was involved in the process and she was wearing the wire um, which almost set up a, a well set up really the course of his his moves moving forward in this game. And it showed that he this kid is always a step ahead of everybody else um, because he used this tape and the evidence that he learned from this tape to set up the professor in a perfect way down the line but you gotta remember that he doesn't get with he doesn't get part of that info without Sax fucking up and name dropping Professor Milgram because he he genuinely didn't know that Tariq didn't didn't know that oh yeah 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 cause, cause he lets he lets her name drop um, I also like the fact that he says please don't do anything St. Patricky." I was mm-hmm. like yes this is this is facts because we all know what happens to people who try to testify against Ghost and Tommy they they almost all end up dead um but I like the fact that Sax was being genuine and one, he didn't want Tariq to mess this up. And two, he, he wanted Tariq to know that like she was in between a rock and a hard place. He didn't do this out of spite. Um, it wasn't necessarily on purpose. She was protecting, she's trying to protect herself the same way you've been trying to protect yourself. So it's like, yeah, you know, Tariq's obviously going to be angry. Um, but, he just he I, I like the fact that Sax he kinda didn't have to put in like some points in um on Lauren's behalf of like, you know, I get it, but like it's not it wasn't personal or anything like that. She she, you know, she found herself in a situation unexpected and a bad situation unexpectedly, and self preservation kicked in. Mm-hmm. Um but this wouldn't be the only time Sax would mess up literally in the next episode he would fumble fumble his friend with benefits package initially by trying to you know get make it a little too official or you know putting that idea in her head and then completely by letting it drop that Tariq has now heard uh the confession tape or the wire tape but what did you think about that And Sachs pretty much f- well he hasn't completely fumbled his uh his situation but uh some of the fun stuff in it he's he's completely he's totally fumbled what did you think about that i mean first off he was having those performance issues so i don't know what was going on with that um sucks it's yeah a real thing it happens i guess from top, that's what people tell me that i'm it never happened to me well, it's happened to me i'm <laughs> a transparent man over here i'm not gonna lie to you folks it's a real thing i'm going on 40 i ain't gonna lie to you i, that, I mean yeah I, you know, it's good to see that the stress of this stuff is still kind of getting the sacks. Uh, because he's supposed to be a good guy technically you know as much as he's been down with the janky lawyer for the last uh season and a half he's um still has a conscience and he does he doesn't he can't be open and honest with uh her name i think you said her name is jenny uh, but he also feels like he has an obligation to not let another person get hurt messing around with these with these saint patrick's right um so he, he was torn um uh, because it is because if you know if the tape is played and she's and she doesn't Respect their relationship, or whatever the little fling they got going on. She could report it to the judge and get Sacks and Davis to spark, and Lauren's life could also be on the line. Um, so, so you know, it's good to see we 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 still see that confliction in, in Sacks, because um, you know, for the most part, he was just this hated character, always yeah. out to get ghosts, always out to do something shanky, always the white boy that was that, that got out of everything unscathed. Uh, so it's good to see he has some redeeming value. Um, that's what I took the most out of this scene um, and like I said of course it was a, a, used to set up the action that happened later because it had Saks not told uh, Jenny this information they may not have been been as protective of Lauren which might, which might not have led to Carrie doing what she ultimately did up doing when she took the stand indeed indeed so from there we get a very quick version of our lesson for the day uh, the truth and how it affects people and when it's right, quote unquote, when it's the right time to tell a lie. We're mm-hmm. uh, very. Quick, I'm sorry, but if I'm on no, trial, sorry. I'm not going to no goddamn class the morning to my trial. <laughs> I'm on trial for my life for, for uh, facing double murder, probably the death penalty because it's a cop killing. I, I'm not going to go to class that morning. <laughs> well, go I I, I need to if, cut you off. No, you're good. You're good. That's a fair point. I don't know if this is him trying to quote unquote keep appearances, keep up appearances and you know make himself not look guilty because they kind of did tell him that like look just go to class and be as normal as possible um but I feel you though I probably wouldn't be going to class either even if I you know knew I was innocent that's that's a lot of stress um but yeah we we get we get a real quick uh brief lesson to kind of set up um the oncoming theme of uh, the second half of the episode and that's when is, it, when is it the right time to tell the truth? And is it right to tell the truth when you know it's gonna hurt someone? Mm-hmm. Uh, funniest two tidbits from that scene, obviously, uh, was Tate, it was a slick one, uh, where right before you know it breaks for Professor Milgram to find out that Tariq has heard the tape, um, is like, one thing about, uh, what did he say? Um, he goes, one thing when it comes to telling the truth is how will telling the truth right now help me? And I was just like, I like how they kind of slipped that in before the scene break. And obviously the other one is when um, Professor Milgram runs out saying it's a family thing. And our, our favorite, Ruchandra says, that bitch is definitely lying, right? Who talks about that professor like that? Just open. <laughs> I totally believe, she's the most believable student um, next to the the white girl who who kind of like passive aggressively, but not that passive aggressively challenges everyone else's opinion. Mm-hmm. Those are the two most believable students. Um, the rest are trying to get more screen time. Uh, what did you think about that scene? And go ahead and go into where Professor Milgram ends up after leaving the class. Yeah, I think the scene was just kind of a builder to help her discover the truth about what Tariq possibly knows. And um, so, you know, and, and it had a couple of comic relief moments, especially with Rousandria. Um, but, it, but it leads into the the ultimate setup for Tariq when it comes to carry. Uh He basically tricked her into, I don't know, if, well, I, I, not technically he tricked her, because Lauren's safety could be in danger. And, and he made it clear, it ain't in danger for me. I don't got no problem. To, I don't want to hurt her. I care about her. I care about her safety. But you got to be open and honest. You think that just because I go down, it's not other people involved in the situation as big as this is where cops cop is getting killed, where drugs are supposed to be sold, and I'm supposed to be like this kingpin, like y'all think I am, that I'm the only person that might be hurt by me going down for this, and her testifying, even if it doesn't, I don't get her, somebody's gonna get her. Um, so she can't just op- openly take a stand. Um, and he perfectly set up Carrie to be her replacement, which was a big backfire in Carrie's face. Uh, so it, it was brilliantly played out by Tariq. He showed concern. He played with her emotions when it came to uh, this conflict that she has in where is she a good person herself? Is she doing the right thing uh, in this in the search of justice of Jabari's killer by sacrificing a person she is, I don't know if teachers take an oath, but for lack of better terms, take an oath to educate and protect. So he played her perfectly in that scene. What would you think of it? Yeah, it was great. We get him uh, sliding into the scene, a la his father, uh, popping up on her when she wasn't expecting to see him there, which I thought was a great touch, um, or something Tommy would have done without without question. Tommy would have definitely popped up on someone like that, um, and just like you said, uh, I think I think it worked. I don't. I know he plans ahead, and we'll get to the you know the the test of the testimony scene. Um, But I don't think he could have foreseen it going that well. Like I know he, he wanted to kind of like play to her quote unquote ethical side, especially with, you know, what she's been preaching to the students as far as doing the right thing. And I think that's how he broke her that like, yes, you know, you have your issues, but now you're currently sacrificing the safety of a student that you are obligated to protect and you swear you cl- you, you claim you uh, care about all for your own kind of selfish goals. And we know why. Like part of it is that, yeah, you kind of do want to find out who killed Professor Reynolds, but you also don't want people to find out about your, your, um, your connection to Zeke. So like, like you said, he played it masterfully. I don't, like I said, I don't think he intended for it to, to go that well um, which we will get to, but yeah, just a well-acted scene on both their parts and um, just showing just how intimidating intellectually Tariq can be. Um, so from there, we get a quick scene at the Tejada house. Monet and Lorenzo are planning a little day trip, a little day date to what was it? Coney Island, I believe. Yeah. Reminiscent on the good times. And uh, we get Diana, uh, wanting to wanting to talk to Monet to Monet for a quick second, Monet kind of brushing her off with the with the coldest of cold shoulders. Diana upset, um, but gets up out of there because she she's got she's going to Zeke's game, quote unquote. Um, and then this is where we find out that Fifty probably owed someone a favor because uh, this is the second time we we hear this sneaking song that feels like it's pulled out of a BET online video game. Um about hiding in the bushes. And now it's her turn to go through stuff. And I'm pretty sure her face not only her face dropped, but I'm pretty sure her stomach dropped when she pulled them condoms out of uh, Diana's purse. Mm-hmm. What did you feel about that? Uh yeah, I mean, I don't know why she's so shocked though. I mean, it's not like this girl is like twelve years old. Uh she like a she's over eighteen. She's in college. Is it such a surprise that she's having sex? I don't know if she automatically assumed it was Tariq. Maybe that's what Kind of made her upset about it, but just find some condoms in your da- daughter's purse. Wouldn't be the end or be all. Um, I thought they were gonna find something more juicy in that. Um But and it's also weird because and we'll talk about when we get to the, the the fiery, the most fiery scene of this episode. But they they given her a hard time about her line about going to Zeke's game, but at the same time, they set up what her distraction was gonna be. So they already knew what it was, they knew where she was going. So why are they giving Diana such a hard time about something that everybody else in the family is allowed to do she didn't give Zeke uh, she doesn't give um, Kane a hard time about his the floozy house that they that he go to stay over with every time he gets to the house and they disrespect her every single time she don't give uh, what's his name uh, Drew a hard time about Everett but she gives her daughter so I think it's also a part of the how we treat men and women when it comes to sex and in society in general um that's the only thing I could understand why she would be upset about it is that you just don't want your little daughter having sex. Um but you know what you going to do about it? What would you think? And of? I think I sorry, I mean because you're No, wrong. no, go ahead. I, I think know. a lot of times with parents like Monet it's a control thing. Like, you know, realistically she has to know that at some point yeah, she's going to do what she's going to do. But looking at the level of control she's had over them like up until the last couple of episodes uh, it it didn't shock me that she was shocked because in her eyes up until a few, you know a couple of episodes ago she she was the their ruler you know what I mean she was their warden like and they you know for the most part they didn't they didn't disobey her so it, it, it she was gonna find out eventually
1: um, I mean it's also but, a weird know,
0: thing to be upset about when you have taught your daughter throughout her entire life that sex can be used to control people right but i think and this you know it it goes back to what they were talking about when the police officers uh them over it was the whole make them think that they can get it thing as in mess with them mentally but without even without you know ever going that far like always keeping them at you know just either approaching the finish line but never crossing mm-hmm um, but you know, again, not discrediting what you said that yes, in society there is a terrible double standard. But you pair that up with the fact that Monet was super controlling, I think that's the only reason her her shock was a little bit, um, a little bit more believable to me, because it, it partially, it, I don't think it, it. I mean, I'm sure it was partially like, you know, oh my gosh, she's actually doing this, or partial and partially like, damn. It was going to happen eventually. I just didn't think I'd find out like this. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, I think that, and you know, who, who happily finds condoms that you're not, <laughs> that you didn't put anywhere. You know what I'm saying? There's always gonna be a little bit of shock value, whether it's mm-hmm. hilarious or not. Um, so speaking of shock value, this testimony, Davis McClain is all about the win. And he don't care if he got to burn down the playground with both of you on it. He's going to get that win. Just murdering. That's a poor choice of words. But murdering Carrie on that stand. Getting her to pretty much. Well, after uh, Jenny kind of asks all the right questions. um, He pretty much made made good on his promise from a couple episodes ago where he said, if this goes to trial and you get up there. it's a wrap for you like i'm going to see to it like i said it was a declaration of war and he kept good to his word uh pretty much stripping all of her layers in front of this courthouse um of her sexual partners and like the fact that he even threw himself under the bus i wasn't i wasn't ready for that at all um I, I don't even know where else to go. I'm going to let you get into the meat of it because I already know one of your favorite parts. It was also my favorite part as well. So go ahead. Go for it. Yeah, I mean, it's just the way he was playing that jury box when he was um asking her these questions. And the jury's response, this is one dude, this Asian dude that was laughing his ass off when he <laughs> said. Good uh, time. He said, I think he said, uh, you had a relationship with with Zeke. And then something like, his nickname is Freaky Zeke. And they go to the <laughs> Asian dude in the jury box. He was laughing so hard. Um, but like you said, uh, I mean, he he told her what he was going to do. And he, he definitely destroyed her credibility um, and also her career by making it known that she was involved with a lot of different people involved in this case. Um, and she has a motive cause she was a, initially a suspect to try to put it off on Tariq or say Tariq is the bad guy to kind of throw it off, not only herself, but also Zeke who she's also having sex with, who was a fir- another prime suspect, and who she might be willing to protect. Uh, I feel bad that they had to slut shame her basically to do it. Um, but it is what it is. They, they, they uh, she knew the risk when she let, she could, cause she could have just let Lauren do it, but she knew the, where she was taken. I guess she thought she was better equipped to deal with it, given her education and her previous career as a prosecutor. Uh, but she wasn't ready for it. And Davis tore her ass up. Yeah. Like getting her to. To pretty much recite why student teacher relationships are forbidden. Mm-hmm. And she. She had to spell it out like the power dynamics are are unbalanced. And I was like, yeah you're done like it's a wrap for you like he even he said like you might want to work on your resume (laughs) and he was absolutely right like there's no coming back from this from an educational standpoint it is over for you because this is this is probably at the very least it's local newsworthy um and of course you know you were working at a prestigious school those other schools talk you're done Mm -hmm. it is a done deal um so down goes Professor Milgram it's robbery time meanwhile back at Mecca's penthouse I almost called it his playhouse or his clubhouse uh, they're preparing for war even though at the moment he doesn't quite know at least I, the way I see it he doesn't know what this war is about mm-hmm. um, but he's just ready well, yeah, like you he told uh, Kane though if you if you gotta wait until the war start to start getting ready for it then you already lost So you always got to be on your game. Yeah, and I'm wondering if that's just like a code he's always lived by or just something that he experienced while in the military and uh, building his empire. Mm -hmm. Um, But we get the return of the deadly chef, whose name is Chef. Yeah, right. I think he called (laughs) it that, yeah. I was like, that's like uninspired. (laughs) But whatever. He's back, and uh, he's got access to hidden scooby-doo uh closets and everything with guns and everything like that and uh the power goes out and it's go time uh part one of the plan the misdirection of it all uh we get gtg again broad daylight because that makes sense uh granted Tariq and them are on a are on a time time crunch uh they just bum rush the the hangar and uh get into the crates that were left out so perfectly for them most of them get shot up mm-hmm. uh, by heavy, like you said, high-grade weaponry. Um, a few cats get lucky. Um, and somehow one dude at that we see makes it out alive with all those crates. Right. Unless, I don't know, maybe there was a getaway driver or a backup team or whatever. I mean, unless he drove the car into the hangar, it's going to be hard to carry all those crates anywhere. Right. Um, yeah, there was a lot of crates and a lot of product for one dude who was left to do it. Um, so, that, that was, that, as cool as the, the heist was, that was the one part of the heist, I was like, this don't make no sense. Like, how did they really get all this stuff moved? But, you know, that's, that's being nitpicky. Yeah, but, but, you know, that that comes with the show. And for those of you who've uh, been following us, we we like to we like to get down to the details. Um, so, speaking of details, we get a little bit of a callback, although it's not necessarily a deep callback, but it, it kind of gave me that, that flashback of um, Kane leaving the deadbolt open, um, a, la Tom, a la Tariq leaving the deadbolt open for Tommy to come shoot up the penthouse. No, when he got proper, um, yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, man. That was a nuts scene. Poor guy. Um, hmm. Kind of wish he would have he made it. I wouldn't have mind seeing him like dealing with some of this stuff or possibly being an influence. Uh, but ghosts are dead. And the actor who plays Ghost is also dead in the show, too. So um, the real plan is taking place um, right under Guap's nose, who's, I guess, getting high. But uh, also, you know, gets the word that some of his guys are dead. But they apparently make things work. And he somehow gets the news. They're like, yeah, the shipment's been taken. Um, outside in the minivan, we got uh, Braden Guap drew and um effie who it's funny but like it's it's not funny but it's funny like effie just plays dress up every other episode Mm -hmm. like in, in her elaborate disguises um and she she plays she acts like she gives off a different character um Every time, like with these looks. So, kudos to her for being kind of a chameleon whenever she steps into like whatever the scene calls for. um You had anything up to this point? No, no. This was kind of like the, the intricate, the start of the second part of the heist. Effie is the schoolgirl, Braden is the noxious white boy, and then Drew and Guap. I, I still don't really understand their role. Like, I don't understand. Were they supposed to just leave Guap there to seem like he was trying to rob the penthouse too, or what? Because that that's only part of the the plan that didn't really make sense to me. Um, I think if I'm and I could be doing the work for them, I feel like they 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 wanted him to come along so that they could kind of have him be included so that when they did kill him, Mecca could be like, damn, like or he could come across his body and be like, I knew that I knew I couldn't trust him because well, who killed you know, them. But in that case, who? Who are they going to say killed him? Like, if they were there to rob the penthouse, and they did rob the penthouse, but Guap is the only one in it dead, who is, who is Mecca to blame? Well, it could have... I mean, I'm not 100% sure. Like, i think oh, thinking came. Kane... Oh, he blame Chef? And that's why he blamed mm-hmm. Chef. Because Chef goes back to the penthouse, and then maybe right. Chef killed Guap, and then tried to cover up the the mess. Which might could, be could work. But, like, also, you got to remember that initially... I think um, Kane wanted to stay behind when they get the call. Like, he kind of makes it like he kind of makes it seem like he doesn't want to go. And Mecca's like, nope, everybody ride out. Let's go. Um, And also, like, when he when uh, Mecca says he's going back to the penthouse, he wants to go. So I think like I think part of it was they wanted to get Guap in a position where he either gets killed um, in, in Mecca's presence or they get him killed so where they can leave him as a you know as an offering Mm -hmm. you know because you do remember that you know uh mecca broke his fingers yeah so like he you know that 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 would be easy to write off like oh this dude tried to get back at me for pretty much sunning him um on a couple of occasions like you know stole the phone and everything you know and all that um so like i said ocean's 11 shit misdirection um they're pretty much going throughout the building to get certain people certain players out of position like the security guard and uh the guy at the front desk uh Drew gets his revenge uh he almost blows it because you know you need the drama yeah you could have easily pe- yeah you got you got to have China. the monologue yeah you got i mean but you know it's power you, and it's tv you got to have the monologue cuz for real for real, if half of these characters were as smart as the audience would like them to be, these shows would only be thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. So you know you got to draw it out. You need the the conflict and the tension and whatnot. Um, but what did you think of that fight scene? As well as it looks like he dumped them in the the laundry chute or something like yeah, that. I still don't. Understand. Did, how like, did you feel about that? You know, if they if supposed to take the fall for it all, why would you have his body in the building unless it's also some type of some elaborate plan to get Mecca caught up down the line? That's the only part I I didn't understand. Like, I don't understand why he was talking to Guap instead of just finishing him off. Um, And then uh, I think a a part of it is they didn't want him to shoot him because they wanted the the, the killing to be a little bit more um, personal. Because at this point, instead of just shooting him, he he has to choke him out. Right. Um, Which, you know, helped really get that revenge back from all that Guap had done to Drew. Um, So, you know, little stuff like that irked me. But the rest of the heist was cool as hell. Effie and the security guard. Uh, the way she played her, and the grandma yelled at her and got her to do what she wanted to do, Brayden being that obnoxious white boy at the front desk. Like, I'm an e... I'm a, what do you say? I'm an e... Sports. I'm an e-sports. Yeah, I'm, I'm an e-sport athlete. athlete. And I'm losing millions by the power of being out. And the dude running off to kind of, to kind of just kind of... And the crazy part is, like, he don't pro- he don't show... He don't make him prove... And this is what the white privilege people always get upset with. He don't say... A white boy just ran right up to the desk and said, started yelling at him and all he did was just listen to the white boy he didn't say prove you live here uh this is a nice place if a black person if Kane would have did this and that he'd be like sir do you even live here um so you know I think that it was all really fun stuff when it came to like the heist part of it uh the Drew part of it kind of eh, irked me a little bit but the rest of it was just all cool and fun um even the part where um well I don't know if we when Drew is in the house and he's uh, searching around and um I'm trying to figure out where's this damn airport that they can get to they're in the middle of Manhattan and they can get to this airport so quickly uh right. the hangar and back that chef left when the power first went out came back and still was able to almost catch drew in the act of the robbery um but he caught him and became you know Kane smart thinking, distracted him uh and threw him off the scent to help his brother get up out of there. what do you think of what you think of the heist in general I thought it was I thought it was great um I'm right there with you some of it did feel a little like suspend your, your belief, um, you know, and just kind of let the ride take you. Uh, but yeah, I like that Kane had the quick thinking of, you know, Diana's calling me. Let me, let me ignore that, but I'm gonna play this extra guy, um, uh, who didn't question the thing, but you know, in, in the heat of the moment, sometimes you, you just kind of go with the flow of everything. Um, uh, so I thought that was, I thought that was great. He, but again, like you said, they're in New York and New York has historically bad traffic, but you know, they're doing everything in the middle of the day in daylight while everybody's allegedly at work. So I guess there's not that much traffic. It was probably like 1130 in the morning. Um, but he he somehow gets back and plays chef. Uh, I was, I was wondering what was going to happen when, uh, when chef opened that door, I thought he was going to get popped because drew was ready and we know drew will pull the trigger. Uh, and he doesn't know Chef, so there was no need to monologue. So I think Chef would have gotten pop. But uh, I also like Drew's reaction to, like, the the guns. It's like, these aren't just guns. These are guns. Like, again, back on the Call of Duty shit. Like, mm-hmm. these guns look crazy. And they're just in this penthouse. And I I don't know how you get a permit to install, like, little secret bunkers and closets. Yeah, with you got guns money all money, you the pretty way. much do anything. This is true. And they make it seem like Mecca is a very, very wealthy man. Yeah. Uh, But one thing we we also have to touch on is the fact that they stole the ring that Mecca was looking at while talking to uh, Monet on the phone. Um, That's obviously going to come back to haunt them uh, for many, many a reason. Um, I think part of it being I wouldn't be shocked that there was, you know, just on some some TV BS that there's like a tracker or something inside of it. Uh, but surprisingly, the mission goes off successfully. Davis is paid. Um, he tells him, like, you know, we're, I'm still on board, but we're not done yet. We had a great day in trial. And it's uh, it's time for the, the heat rock of the night. And I'm going to let you take that. All right. Yeah, so this is probably definitely the probably the greatest scene in power history. Um, so you know, we we enter and we've seen this before. We've seen the 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 Tahadas family, they really like their family dinners. They seem to enjoy each other's company, they reminisce, they have fun. Um and it started like and I feel like it started out that way. It was just a nice fun family dinner until people started being petty for no reason. Um Yeah. I'm sorry, I d I do don't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, go for it. Um but I do have to interject with this real quick. Like, watching it all go down was one thing, but the buildup to it made no, like, not necessarily made sense, not necessarily didn't make sense. But I was like, yo, these were light jabs. And everyone just decided to go, like, napalm. Mm-hmm. But go go for it. Go on, go in. Yeah, so they, they so they they just kind of recounting their day. Hey, we went to Coney Island, and, and mom and daddy really connected. Um, and so they just went around the room like, normal people, what are you guys doing today? And everybody had their little thing. Um, and they get to Diana, and they say, oh, well, what'd you do? And she says, well, I went to Zeke's game. And of course, big, goofy Zeke was like, I ain't see you there. Like, bro, pay attention to what's going on in the court, not who's in the stands. So she was like, well, they gave me a hard time. Um, I couldn't sit in our regular seats; I had to sit somewhere else. But everybody, even though they knew Diana, like, they knew they purposely used Tariq to distract Diana, so she wasn't at the game. And they don't want Lorenzo to know about the what they were doing. So why are they antagonizing this little girl? Why are they constantly pushing her buttons so they keep rodding her up rodding her up and then she finally had enough and just blew up and literally destroyed her entire family in a matter of three minutes um she went from hold on i'm trying to remember how they uh, No, they, they finally was like no why you know so much i think uh, and i should have watched it again but i think they they, they went to because she was like she started saying some comments about tariq's trial and she was like well why do you know so much about it and then next thing you know you, I think Monet was like you're fucking him or something like that. A typical mom response, like when she found out her daughter fucking, you're fucking aren't you? And then that uh, you know at this point she was so fed up. Her only response was like, I ain't the only one fucking somebody that shouldn't be fucking. And Monet would have tried to kill her if she could, but of course Kane jumped in the way. And then like I said, all hell just broke loose. Uh, next thing you know, she then pulled out the fucking uh, bursts his hip kit, slammed it on the table like a fucking drawer full. And like, or trump car in spades is like, I got all y'all asses. And, it, you know, I, I might not be explaining it well, but it was crazy how it just kind of blew up. All you see is Zeke dumbass. Uh, Dante is uh, your father. No, 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 that ain't true. Uh, that, 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 like, he always look like a big dumb idiot when he's like trying to explain himself or even talk in any kind of matter. And it just exploded into the fact that um we learned that, you know, the whole family learns that Zeke is... Monet's is Monet's uh, son. Uh, all Zeke seemed to be concerned about is the fact that they lied about his age, um, and this gladly explains what we were having a hard time uh, figuring out um, when they first announced that Dante was Zeke's father. We couldn't understand how he could possibly be twenty three and be a freshman in college, and apparently, somehow, some way, Monet eliminated four years of this boy's life, and somehow he did not realize that they just eliminated four years of his life that's my biggest pet feed with this entire episode as far as this episode was was like i don't understand how any person could not just get four four years taken out of their life and not understand it now one year maybe two years maybe but at what point did they tell him he was four years younger was he like eight years old and they literally said you're four years old and he just went with it or was he like six and just a giant big ass six year old and they had him in fucking pre-k so that's the only part i couldn't really grasp my mind around and I feel like I'm monopolizing the time. So go ahead, get into it. Get into no, your thoughts. You're good. You're good. I agree. Um, A lot of this could have been avoided. But like you said, she she hadn't like had had enough. And but this was also fueled by the fact that she's the only one who hasn't wronged her father. So she knows she's safe because the whole time I'm like, how does she feel confident enough to do all of this? But she knows she's the only one who hasn't gone against her father. So she's good. So I think that's what kind of gave her that Super Mario star to just start dropping bombs left and right, um, or you know, kicking over the dominoes that leads to everybody else dropping bombs on each other. Like it was like a, it's like an, a 90s action movie. Like she said one thing, and then everybody pulled guns and started pulling, them, pointing them at each other. Um, you know what it's like, real quick, because I know you're a big wrestling fan. You ever see when they like building up to like um a big match like a a, a, a triple threat match or like a um not a, even with more people like a six man tag or something like that? Or uh, they have the six man tag and they all of a sudden they just spamming their finishers. like yep. somebody will be in the ring and they'll hit like uh you yep. know Undertaker will hit like his choke slam and then somebody will yep. come in super kick Undertaker in the face. That's what it felt yeah. like. But it's that that big rush at right before the sh- the show goes off. It's mm-hmm. like all right, we got two minutes before the show goes off. L- big finish. Like, that's literally what it was. um. So, th- yeah, this was wild. This was wild. Um, We got Kane being put, thrown under the... But the wild part was, I could have sworn... I about that part. Yeah, about him sugaring the, uh, the coke. I thought Monet knew about that. Monet knew, but Zoe didn't know, so she had to pretend like okay. she didn't know. true that, true that. You're absolutely right about that. Um, We got... We got... um. We got Kane throwing Drew under the bus. Because Everett so, still laugh, mm-hmm. Right. And Zeke, like, you nigga, you was gonna kill my teammate. <laughs> um and I felt I feel bad the worst for Zeke in this. Zeke got the worst end of this pretty much from jump. The worst thing he did was have sex with a with a professor. Although technically it's wrong. She was more wrong than him, but he was still wrong. But like he got the worst deal out of all this. On top of that, I should have looked up his name. I feel terrible for the actor playing Zeke because this is the kind of stuff that people stop acting. Um, he's been he's been saddled with this character who's been in a, you know, because we, we keep it real here. Power has weird writing and we're going to get to that weird writing when we finish this episode. But like, I feel like he's doing the job And, you know, he's I feel like he's doing everything he's given correctly. And this dude is being just murdered on the Internet Uh, because I feel I feel bad for the actor. The first thing that made me I was like, yeah, some of these things are funny. But like somebody pointed this out, it's like the the writers kind of did him dirty because he's going to be he's going to be tied to this, 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 uh, this character for a long time. And it made me think of um there was the guy, the kid that played I believe it was well it was there were two actors. Um one of the actors that played Joffrey on Game of Thrones and the guy that played Draco Malfoy in the Harry Potter Harry Potter movies were so hated by fans that they kind of like kind of like borderline quit acting. Like they didn't want to mess with it anymore. Um, And it's like, yes, you have to have thick skin, but you also, you know, realistically, there are fans that don't know how to draw the line or they think you're the joke, which is is messed up. But I feel bad for this dude because I hope his career doesn't take a hit, like a serious hit from this, especially if he wants to do more stuff. Um, Now, in regards to him, like the timing of it, like, you know, him not being aware of the first however many years of his life i the only reason and i'm not i'm not justifying it and i'm not giving them the out but i do know that a lot of times and it's because every kid is different a lot some kids don't reach like sort of like cognitive thinking until like three or four um not not many people not many people have memories of when they were you know, one to two years old. Yeah, but you can't celebrate your day zero. And they ain't gonna say he damn. didn't. There's no. I mean, obviously, they're not gonna say that. But like, if they, you know, just and this, this all goes down to like, you know, how they were interacting with him as a child, um, growing up during his formative years. Like, they could have easily, when he was, you know, two or three, been like, "This is your first birthday," because he's not gonna remember the ones when he's one and two. Some some kids just plain don't. Now, as far as him being a big kid, I get the joke, but I feel like if you ask enough people out of every three people you meet, every every person has had at least in either the fifth grade or somewhere in middle school, that one kid, usually a boy, that was just like they got their growth spurt way before everybody else and they were just big. They were the same. Well, clearly Zeke wasn't, but like, we always got, you know, if you look in every three middle school classes or fifth grade classes, there's that one kid, there's that one boy that's just big and he looks older than what he is. And some, you know, he probably got teased for it, but like a lot of times they just don't question it because that's around the time when kids start having their growth spurts. Um, So I think, and again, this is me being a, doing a little bit too much of the work for them, but it it wasn't that far fetched for me, um, a little bit, but not not extremely far fetched for me. Uh, but yeah, it, I felt like from a writing standpoint, it was kind of dumb for him to borderline not even react to the fact that Monet is his mom and the other dude is his dad. But more so, his his future as far as the draft goes. Mm-hmm. Like I th- I feel like that was a bad choice on the writer's part. Like but, it, was, I mean, it, I think, it was almost like it didn't even register to him. But I, I, I think, think the big thing bad. about that and the why they did it was because, like, that's so tied into what his identity is making it to the league, making it to the league. So that was his immediate reaction. It wasn't, you know, I, 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 and I think that's what they are trying to portray in this. Like, that's all he knows, that's all he wants to do. Um, they, they play him as not the brightest person. So his future is almost always all, totally tied into being able to play basketball and if he can't play basketball anymore then you know what's his worth in life and i think that's why his immediate response was about basketball and not just monet being his mom or dante being his dad so i i think that's what their their goal was but you know yeah be reaching as well yeah but again even if you know even if that's the case like even if it's not the case the writers still again they it's another it's another character the writers kind of portrayed um, but you see in everybody's reaction. Kane's reaction was not that Zeke is his brother, just that he wasn't the oldest anymore. Right, right. And th- that, that's also another weird reaction to me. Like, the, re- the none of the Tejada kids, to a degree, like, yeah, Kane's reaction was like, oh, he's older than me. None of them were like, holy shit, this kid's my brother. This dude is my brother. My actual blood brother. None of them had that reaction. And the fact that Diana, that's what kind of blew me a little bit too. That was my one strike against her in all of this was that you just found out that your cousin is your brother you have another older brother and like I said last week she seems to be the one that kind of cared about him the most she didn't go to him like she she saved this this was a bullet she used this as a bullet and it's like okay well we know she can be cold-blooded because I'm like damn like and she didn't she didn't tell him to tell him the truth she told him to hurt Monet. That was her motive behind exposing that, and that's what kind of like I was like, damn, like that's, you know, the, the word family is kind of flimsy around here because they're strong on it until they're not. Yeah. Um, but Mo, Monet is, is exposed, um, and she's kicked out of the house. I mean, shit, she basically killed her own family. Yeah uh what did you think of uh that before we get into these final couple scenes i mean it, it was something that was kind of building throughout the the course of this power that in between since the came home um i didn't think he would go, would go straight to that um but i think just as a guy who is um very you know masculine or, or, or kind of ego driven the fact that his wife lies home him all these years and has a child um and because I think he even made a comment like, well, where's the dad or, or you know, is it, you know, he made some reference to the father uh, once he found out Zeke was the thing. So I think he just was really hurt by it. But instead of showing like, you know, the hurt of it, anger is his immediate response. And, he you know, Zeke ran away. He threw Monet out the house. And I think at this point it'll be him and his kids versus the world moving forward. And Monet... I, it'll be really as much as he was just talking about how much he especially if you go back to the Coney Island scene how he was so committed to uh kind of apologizing to her about how things have been changing and uh wanting the future with them together uh and acknowledging that she might want a different future all of that went out of the window once he once the secret was revealed and he just went to straight to anger and I think it, it, next week you'll see it's easy for him to cross right of his life even though they've been together for 20 plus years they got 3 years together. She held him down in jail for 10 years. I don't think none of that will matter moving forward. Indeed, indeed. So meanwhile, back at the GTG hideout, uh cleanup time. They've mopped up the rest of the uh the GTGs that were left behind. Um but the the shipment is gone. And uh then we we go we we take <clears throat> we got Mecca taking it to some Spy thriller movie where, um, you know, he's like, All right, all we got to do now is take care of the mole, you know, uh, cool little knife spinning and slit Chef's throat down goes Chef, mm-hmm. um, which was a little disappointing. I wanted to see Chef do some, do some more bad badass shit, stuff, yeah, yeah.
1: This is also um, a
0: weird thing because I think, I think he knows because the way he was looking at Kane, yeah, I think he knows Kane was really behind all this, but because uh, his devotion to Monet won't let him harm her son for right now, but I will. I'm, I'm curious to see what happens because, because at this point, Monet ain't got nobody. She she, no. she got Zeke and Mecca, uh, and Zeke ain't really messing with her right now. We don't know what their relationship is gonna be moving forward. I wonder if she if she goes to Mecca and then is it we got a we got a little family? We gonna try to focus on that and damn those kids and the people who kicked me out of their family. So I, I'm curious to see what happens in episode nine and ten. And as far as Monet's reaction to being ousted from the family, does that make her turn her back on her other kids and, and, and push her closer to the Mecca or, you know, where does she go from here? It's going to be interesting to see. Um, but like I said, the, the the Mecca scene was just a little strange to me. The whole, you know, little monologue. And it's like, you know, he slit, slides, slits the guy's throat. It was like, oh, uh, he was the Mo. In case you didn't catch that. I think we didn't... That's... You're in a different show. You're in a different show, and I need you to bring it back here. also well, so was um, cool. Yeah. But just like you said, he, he definitely gives Kane a bit of a look, wherein... Even if he knows Kane did it, like, if he knew Kane did it, and Chef had nothing to do with it, but he killed Chef anyway, that just makes him, you know, a psychopath, which... I'm, I I think would be a bit of a disservice to to the character because up until this point he's been really somewhat methodical, mm-hmm. uh, calm, collected. Um yes, he he killed uh his boy, uh but that even that was like a little more reserved. Um but like if he killed a dude just because I feel like that would have been a bit too much, you, you know, killing a guy, killing your right one of your right hand men, uh, just to you know keep up a facade. That just that just seems like a bit much to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got um, we'll just wait and see how it plays out. There. We, you know, right now we're just kind of speculating as his motive as to why he did it. He it could be that he really thought Chef was involved because of you know Chef's loose connection to GCG. He did have some interactions with them, um, but to me, Kane is the ultimate prime suspect we know he's yeah. heavily involved in the GTG. He immediately says GCG is probably behind it because it reminds him of a a plot he pulled earlier when the power went out. Uh so and you know, why would his right man he he's known Kane for all of a couple of months if that we assume Chef has been his man for a long long time. So we we I, I love to see if they're going to really explain that down the line or if it's just going to be like a throwaway scene and call it a day. So, speaking of weird somewhat close to throwaway scenes. We get a quick scene between Monet and Professor Milgram. Um, excuse me. Uh, Carrie Milgram. because She ain't a professor no more. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, like, they have what almost seems like a bit of a genuine heart-to-heart. Monet kind of venting, because, I mean, she ain't got nobody else to vent to. We ain't seen her with no friends. Um, it's like, you know, she got caught in a lie. And uh, this, of course, brings full circle to when does the truth Uh, when is it, when is it the right time to tell the truth? Mm -hmm. Uh, we got Milgram on one side who told, who her truths came out in court. And while it did save one life, uh, it kind of ruined hers. Mm -hmm. And we got Monet on the other side, whose truth finally came to light and ruined her life along with Zeke's as well. Yeah. Um, but it we get then you know that that scene gives way to her saying that you know if Zeke has you to come back to, he'll never come back to me. Mm-hmm. Um, She's very menacing. Very. Uh, this gives way to the team, kind of meeting up and just going over to the day's victory, and we get a nice little scene with Effie dropping the truth bombs as far as you know Lauren, just playing not being the right one for him realistically. Um, And this, this kind of also feeds into what I said earlier that yes, Lauren was in fact, his Angie Valdez. Um, He was her, he, excuse me. She was his window to a normal life, even though his life would, would be nothing but that. Um, But we also get an admission of attraction. So while Lauren is somewhat out of the, the square, uh, we now have this triangle because he has not talked to Diana since they did their thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you feel about this little scene? I, mean, I thought it was a cute little scene because um, you know we we normally see Effie being like kind of tough or, or or hard to kind of I don't say hard but uh, she she always seemed to be about like her business and not like her her emotions and her feelings getting involved. Um, so it was definitely very uh, acute and emotional when she you know was confident to Um but also letting them know that she sees it as more than just some type of, they fitness not getting involved, that she's committed and wants to be with him more than just as business partners and occasional, you know, lovers. Um, so I thought it was a cute, you know, it was a real cute to see her more softer side. We we, we more used to seeing like the scheme in Effie as opposed to, I want to say feminine. Cause it's not, It's I got to stop being so worked up about what I say if you get offended, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not trying to say it, but just, just the softer side of her as opposed to the more cunning side that we normally see ever. So I, I enjoyed it. I think it was a cute scene. I think as far as the acting across the entire episode was very good. I think everybody, especially when it came to the emotional scenes, did a very good job to include Effie uh, in this final scene. So bravo to everybody in this. And it's hard to say on the show because normally yeah. at least somebody gives you a bad acting performance, but bravo across the board across in this entire episode. Indeed. Indeed. Um, I got to echo everything that you said, um, but I still got to put an asterisk that, again, I I was still fine with Effie just kind of being her own sort of boss Mm -hmm. and keeping business and pleasure separate. Um, But, you know, that's a classic TV thing. I feel like they don't have men and women be on TV shows without getting romantically involved. Right. Somebody break the mold. Um, People are ready for it. You know, even if they they say that they're not, they can handle it. Um And plus, you know, the will they won't they will only build up more tension. I'll save it for whenever. Well, it ain't no will they want will no more? If at this point, huh? I said ain't no will they or won't they anymore in this show. At this point, Tarik has bagged every woman yep that showed any slight interest in him. Yep. I'm, I'm, the only one I'm surprised he never got was the, was the damn professor. I'm surprised she didn't try to give him some. Uh weirdly enough of all the things they do on the nose this is probably the one thing they were like that's the one thing we're not going to do that's probably like at the top of every meeting storyboard like don't push milgram towards Tariq. Mm-hmm. never never ever ever um so that scene gives way to our final scene uh we get zeke on his way up to talk to, I almost called the professor again. She ain't no professor, and she unfortunately, she no <laughs> ain't. Yeah, she ain't. She ain't a resident of Earth anymore. Oh, uh, he comes to find Professor Milgram is hung or hang, hung herself. She's hanging. Um, that sounded super insensitive. I didn't mean to say it like that. Uh, she has seemingly committed suicide. Um, and this, of course, opens up doors to was she forced into it was she pressured into it did monet convince her to do it Mm -hmm. um did monet do it herself um we you know Monet wears a lot of nice jackets she you know and if you've ever seen a a picture or video of mary j she got arms she 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 got guns so she could have i feel like she could have hoisted her up you know what i'm saying uh what did what did you think of that down goes professor milgram officially yeah so it was bittersweet like as much as i complained about um, hating her and wanting her off the show and wishing she died. It was kind of shocking and sad that this happened to her. Um, but I, like, I think I think it, it's a great, uh, story device moving forward because we don't know if she was just caught up in all the pressure of what happened in the courtroom and realizing her life was over and the stress of it all and she did it herself, or did Monet force her into it? I'm a, I'm a vote for Monet, probably force her into it in some type of way, especially after what she said about if you're still around Zeke, um, Will never come back to me, so I'm am gonna assume that is the bad guy. I want to see. I can't wait to see what Zeke's reaction is gonna be once they open episode. Hopefully, they open episode now with this. I'm I'm curious. Is he gonna run away? Is he gonna try to help her? Is he just gonna stand there with that dumbass look on his face like he always does? Where are we going when it comes to getting carried down off that off those um rathors, whatever it is she's hanging from? Um, but yeah, it, it's. As much as I hated her, it's just, it's still a little bit sad to see her go. Because she wasn't horrible, horrible all the time. And I think she was kind of getting some redeeming things. They they, they yeah. wrote her a little bit better in season two than they did in season one. Uh, but she had to go. And it's always one big death. And I yeah. guess that was her. Indeed, indeed. Um, I'm right there with you. and But I feel like we, we called it. We called it at the beginning of this season, towards the end of last season. That unfortunately, just like Jabari, this character was so badly damaged from the jump that the only course of action for her was to die. Um, hate that it had to be like this because she didn't get a decent... I don't feel like she got a decent send-off. Um, there's, it it kind of felt like them kind of being pushed into a corner of like, we... And uh, this is the second actor I I feel sorry for, and I haven't looked her name up and I I need to do that. Um, but I hope she doesn't get kind of tied to this because despite the fact that her character was just horribly put together, she, whenever she was on screen, no matter how weird of a direction they gave her, she did it. So she's a, she's a phenomenal actor and I hope that she doesn't get saddled with this. Um, Forever, um, I hope she can move on in her career as well. I think she will. I think you know we got to remember like power is very very popular amongst us and our community and black people. Uh, but this this woman has been working and acting outside of just the black community for a long time. Uh, she used to be on This Is Us, which is about the polar opposite of of, of power. Um, mm-hmm. And she's also British, little known fact. Another British actress with a very good American accents that you would never know she's British unless you like saw her in the outside interview. So I think right. she'll be fine as far as her career goes. Um, in the black community, she's always gonna be the uh, Carrie, the weird professor from Power. But I think she'll and, be fine right. outside of it. That that's what I mean, like, because you know the internet loves to, you know, saddle you with stuff. Like I'm I'm hoping she doesn't get too much, have to go through too much with that, where she's trying to you know move forward in her career, because you know how the internet does. Um, they the internet loves to bring up old stuff when you're at your best or at your worst. Um, so I'm hoping, you know, she doesn't take too hard of a hit from this, but like we said, this character was so damaged that this was the only course of action. I just wish that she'd gotten a better send off. Um, and I'm with you. I'm really interested to see how this, how next week episode pull, uh, picks up. Um, did you watch the, the, the preview? I watched it. Uh, I watched it. Um, looks like it's going to be some action. Look, look like it was some shootout. Monet was involved in, uh, we got Tate, uh, Basically telling Tariq to stop his bullshit because because he tried to make it seem like he was sorry to carry what happened to carry but Tate mm-hmm. was like, "Come on, bro, you never think about what what your what your actions do to anybody you're involved with." Um, so it was foolishness. So um, I, I I'm really excited about these last two episodes. They have been on a especially since the mid season break, a constant string of topping the episode before it and Indeed. just ramping it up. Uh, so I'm ready to see what they got in store for us for these final two. I, I'm, I'm excited get ready. Same here. Did you see the part in the preview where there's someone in his room with a gun? Yeah, it looked like a light skin hand. Might be Mecca, possibly. I'm I'm going. I'm going. I'm throwing the hail mary because, like, I looked at it two or three times. I I saw a few people on the internet think that it was um, and I and I possibly our group chat think that it was um, possibly Monet. Uh, because I mean she would have every reason to, to be waiting in his room with a gun. Um I think it's two bit. You think I mean the hand just looks really light. I mean it might be Lorenzo. He ain't super he, dark. He hasn't checked him yet. This is true. This is very true. Um that I, I would put Lorenzo as my, my second, but I'm 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 throwing the hell Mary. I'm going out on a limb here. I think it's two bit because they name dropped him a couple episodes ago. And honestly, had you not name dropped him, we probably would have forgotten that by the end of this season, if he wasn't going to be in it, we probably would have forgotten that two bit was even in the first season. Um, So I, I'm i going with the with the tinfoil hat theory. I think it's two bit. Uh, but yeah, they've been on a roll and we got two episodes left and it's usually. I always forget. OK, no. Game of Thrones is the third episode before the end of the season is when things hit the fan. I want to say with power, it's almost always episode nine that things just, it really blow up, which is going to be interesting to see considering the, the, the events of this episode. Um, we have to assume that they put the pieces to together that, um, Dante is Mecca. And I'm guessing that's where the war thing is going to come about, which is going to be interesting because Kane's going to have to pick a side. Um, and we don't know how many actual shooters uh, Lorenzo has, but uh, folks, we got two episodes left. It's I, it can only get crazier at this point. I would hope they wouldn't fumble uh, this close to the to, to the uh, to the end zone. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? Nah, man. Like I said, this was a great one. Just, just looking forward to the next one. Should be a yes, good, sir. Good way to good finish to the season. And don't forget on February 6th, the new power comes out as well. So we'll see how it goes. We have to, we'll we talk about it offline off if we're going to do a power review for Tommy show. Uh, I had been meaning to ask you about that. I'm let's in if you're in. We might later. as well. Let's talk about it later. Let's talk okay. about it later. Well, they don't need to know all that right now. We're, we're going right. to discuss. That could be a surprise stuff. for them. Okay. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that is true. All right. So as always, you know where to find us. If you've been rocking with us for this long, go look us up. You know where to find us. Go hit Follow. Go hit share, go hit like, leave some comments, tell a friend. So for myself, Triple D, and my co-host, Carlos D, we'll see you guys next time.